Mark chapter 4, we're continuing our, our walk through uh, the gospel of Mark, and, and I want to give you a, a, a truth and, and an idea of what's really taking place. In the gospel of Mark, uh, we, could, we could spend a lot of time, and, and trust me, we're going to go back and, and unpack some of these things, and we're going to jump through them, but we're kind of taking a, a quick fly through, and to let you know what's going on, there are 300 churches around the world and 140 churches well, and I say that, sorry, 300 churches internationally and 140 churches right here in the Kansas City area that are walking through this same uh, series. They're walking through this together. There are churches all around, Abundant Life and, and Westside Family and, and uh, churches right here in Independence that are, are going through this uh, the same series as well. And uh, so we're, we're kind of tagging along with them. We're doing this together, praying for God to do a, a great movement in our cities uh, as we walk through the Gospel of Mark uh, in, a, in a quick way. So if you have your Bibles, Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 21, and we're actually kind of walk through chapter 4, the end of chapter 4, and then jump into chapter 8. I know it's going to sound crazy. We're going to deal with things in a different way. But Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 21, and listen to what he says. It says this, Jesus said to them, do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, do not put it on a, or instead, don't you put it on its stand. For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to ear, let him hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And I want you to think about this. As we kind of jump into the gospel, I want to ask you this question. Do you live in a way that lights up a room? Do you live in a way that is a city on a hill, lighting uh, or, or, or giving light to those who are outside? And as we do that, I want to jump in. We're going to pray and we'll go from there. Father, we pray today that this, the, the echo of that song would be the cry of our heart, that we need you, that we need you every hour of every second, of, or every second of every hour of every day. And God, I pray, I, I know, you know, as we watch that video about the North American Mission Board, as we watch, watch that video about missions and what it means, I know that the world has been thrown into chaos and worry. And likewise, for some reason, Lord, the church as well. And God, I pray that we would not be a people who are worried, anxious, stressed, or fearful. Because we know you hold the whole world in your hand. And that God, you loved us so much that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross. To pay the price that we couldn't pay. To offer us a life and life more abundantly that in the midst of the worries, the struggles, that we could shine bright and that we shine brightest when we are the fullest and most full of you. So we pray, Lord, that you speak to us and that you grow us, that you challenge us and let us be, not just as a church, but as individuals, as the body of believers, let us be light in a dark world. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hey, so listen, here's what I want to jump in and, and unpack, and I want you to understand that we've, as we've been going through the gospel of Mark up to this point, here's the crazy thing about the gospel here at this point, up to this point, Jesus has been a very popular man, 
right? Like the crowds are following. People are longing to connect. They're, they're, they're chasing after. As a matter of fact, there's multiple times in the Gospel of Mark where it says that Jesus and the disciples go off to a solitary place. Like Jesus is like, hey, we're going to go over here. We're going to be solitary. But here's the, what's crazy about this solitary movement. Jesus is taking his disciples there and the people go, hey, we know where he's going right? We're going to go meet this dude. We're going to run around the lake and we're going to get to where he's going to go. And so Jesus would go off with this mentality that he's going to into a solitary place. And then he would get to the other side of the lake and it'd be like, oh, what are these people doing here? No, not really. Jesus would, you know, it's not like us. Like, have you ever been around people that's like people, 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 people. And at some point you're like, okay, I just got to get a break. You know what I'm talking about, right? Like they're, they're just, you're like, oh, I need a break. I do. Yeah, Jesus is in this mode where he's very popular. People are chasing after him. Why? Because he's healing people. He's, he's, he's helped the, the dead or the, the, the blind see, the deaf hear. He's helped the dead come to life. He's, he's doing this. But as this is progressing, as we're moving through the gospel of Mark, what you're going to see is these crowds follow him everywhere. They keep pursuing him in every way, shape, or form. And it's going to lead us to this climactic encounter where the religious leaders are going to persuade these crowds to turn on Jesus. So the man who comes in, the, the, the God, God man, the, the, the son of man that we see in Mark, who comes in and does all these miraculous things and is attracting these crowds, is going to come to a climactic encounter where these crowds are literally going to be the ones who cry out, crucify him. And all of that is God's plan. All of that is God's direction and knowing what's going on. And I want to ask you this question as I think about this. Have you ever walked in darkness. You ever been in darkness? Like, can you think about a time where it was completely dark, where you were sitting somewhere and there is no light, none whatsoever? I, 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 I have multiple times, and I think I've told you the story of the past about my hunting excursion. If you want to talk to me about that later, we'll talk about it. But I remember being in the Persian Gulf, in the middle of the Persian Gulf, when I was 19 years old in the Navy, completely dark, no moon, no stars, clouded over, and we were at darkened ship, which means no lights or bare minimal lights. And our system that we operate, it's a chaff system that basically defends the ship, all right, as an aircraft carrier, we launch this chaff out in case missiles come in, we can launch this chaff, create a false picture, all right? Our chaff system goes down and my chief says, you need to go fix it. And I was like, we're at darkened ship, dude. That means I can't take a flashlight out. How am I supposed to fix electrical problems with no light? And he's like, I don't care how you get it done, you just gotta go do it. And I was like, and you can't go out, it's not like, okay, I'll grab a flashlight and walk out there because then I get in trouble because we're no longer at darkened ship. It's just the way it works. It's the way things work in the Navy. And so I get out there, we're on aircraft carrier, I get out, it's completely pitch black, but here's what's crazy about it. We're at flight ops. And flight ops, if you know anything about an aircraft carrier, the F-14s and the F-18s take off full afterburner. At which point I'm like, really, darkened ship doesn't matter because everybody can see us like 10 miles away. Like when those things go full afterburner and you see the flame shooting off and you see a jet take off, there's no doubt that's an aircraft carrier. 
Last I checked, I didn't see a cruise ship with F-14s flying off of it. You know what I mean? Like, it's, but it is what it is. And so I still couldn't use a flashlight. So as I'm working on this system, down on the deck of the ship, I'm sitting there working on the system. I would wait. And about every 45 to 90 seconds, a plane would take off over my head. And I'd see the light. And I'd be like, oh, I'm going to work real quick. And then it would disappear. And I did that for about 30 minutes every time they take off. And it was one of the darkest things because when a plane wasn't there, I couldn't see my hand in front of my face. And listen to what he says in this text. Do you bring a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? And I want you to think about this. So I brought a lamp. I want, I want you to understand kind of what goes on. And here in a little bit, we'll kill the lights. But I want you to think about if you've ever lost power, we lost power back in 2007 when we had this big, massive ice storm down in Springfield. And this ice storm was crazy, destroyed a bunch of stuff. Trees were falling over and we were without power for five days. Blessing and a curse. We couldn't cook as well. So we cooked everything on the grill right? But the blessing was, man, it was dark. It was January. By eight o'clock, you were in bed. No TV, no computer. If you could get a charge on your cell phone, you know, you go out, plug it in your car, come back in, you might have your cell phone. But even then, we were in bed by eight o'clock. You were up at like five because you'd already got nine hours of sleep. It was like nothing's going on. But this idea of a lamp and thinking of what takes place in a lamp and how this little bit of light can provide light for everything. Listen again what he says. Do you bring a lamp to put it under a bowl? So my question is, when we look at things today, do I bring a lamp out just so I can go like this? Yeah, I don't really want to see it. Because it does me no good, does it? Matter of fact, if I leave that there long enough, that lamp or that, that bowl, this bucket would melt at some point. But it does us no good to hide the lamp. As a matter of fact, I killed it because there was no oxygen in there. It does us no good to hide this lamp if we're not going to use it or, or to light the lamp if we're not going to use it. And likewise, what Jesus is saying, if you remember last week we jumped in, he's talking about scattering seed, how we have to be people who are going to cast seed near and far. We can't control the soil. We don't know the soil is going to land on. It's going to be good soil, rocky soil. It's going to be the path. What, what is it going to look like? Is it going to be choked out by weeds? We can't control that. We don't have any control of that. And if you ever hear somebody say that you can control the soil, no, you can't. The only thing we can do is cast the seed. God is the one who tills the soil. God is the one who makes the, the heart ready to hear the truth of the gospel. God is the one who works in great miraculous ways that calls people to him. God is the one who does all of that thing. And then he comes in and he says this, do you bring a lamp and put it under a bowl? And so we understand the truth of the gospel seeds being planted, being thrown out there. But I want to ask this question, because a lot of times what we expect is that we don't have to be the lamp or we don't have to be the light that will just allow God to continue to do things when the truth of the matter is that God calls you and I to be a lamp, a city on a hill, a light that shines bright. And so today, if you remember anything, I want you to remember this. We are to live as a light on display so that all can see Jesus and the hope one has in him, the hope that anyone has in him. We are to live as a light on display. Listen, so that all can see Jesus. So if I live as a light, this idea is that I live as a light on display, not hidden, not like I'm gonna go over here 
and I'm going to put my light in this dark room where nobody else can see me, and I'm going to tell everybody else they can worry about themselves. No. No, we put it on display where everybody can see. And so here's what I want to do. I want to cover a couple things as we jump into this, and I want us to see how when we live as a light on display, how we, when we live as a person who reflects the love of Jesus Christ, how God works. Number one, I want you to see this, that light reveals and uncovers, that light reveals and uncovers. Listen to what he says again. Do you bring a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? No. Instead... What do you do, right? Don't you put it on a stand where it's useful for everybody who walks into that room, where it lights up, where it reveals the darkest recesses and crevices. It helps you find things. I think, and I go back to that idea where I'm working on this thing. I couldn't find, I mean, I'm going by hand and I'm feeling all the screws and I'm able to undo the screws, but I could not find the right wires and the relays that I had to change out until I got the light. And when I got the light, also it was like, okay, that's the right one. Pull that one out, plug a new one in. Those are the things we have to begin to understand is that when I have the light, the light reveals the truth. The light reveals the hope. The light reveals the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so when he calls us to be a lamp or a city on a hill, then he's calling us to be the ones who reflect the love of Jesus in each and every circumstance and situation we're in. See, Jesus didn't come, listen, to be hidden in our lives. Jesus didn't come for us to sit back and go, I got Jesus, I'm good, now you're on your own, and I'm going to keep it quiet. Jesus came to radically transform each and every one of our lives, and when he does that, we can't keep him or hide him or keep him dark or say, I'm just going to keep him hidden in my heart and not let other people know the good news. See, these oil lamps back in those days were used to give optimum light when elevated, and so oftentimes, if you were to go back into somebody's house, they would be up on the side of a wall somewhere where it would light up the whole house, where it was high enough, out of the reach to a certain extent, where they could light it up, and it would light up not only the ceiling, but you could see everything down below. And so it gives off optimum light so people could see. Now listen to this. Here's the great news about this. If you know anything about the Bible, here's what it says. Number one, 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all, it says. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie. We do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So when I walk in the light, I am allowing God to walk in me and through me and to work in me and through me and to plant the seeds of the gospel more and more in my heart and the seed of his word more and more in my heart. And so when I walk in the light, I walk in Jesus, here's what happens. God is light, in him there's no darkness. And so when I walk in the truth of the gospel, when I walk in the truth of what Jesus wants me to live out and I'm obedient to what he says, then I am light. Why? Because Jesus is in me. And when Jesus is in me, then the light that he is producing inside of me is something that begins to shine and glow and produce or reveal or uncover all the darkness. 
And so when I reveal that truth, we're called. Listen, we are called to let others see Jesus. And so when I let others see Jesus, the light of the world, he is the one that, listen, again, what we said, he is the one that, number one, reveals our sin, and he uncovers all the things we want to hide oftentimes from Jesus that we think we're going to hide. So he comes in, he's like, God is light, in him there's no darkness, so guess what? I'm going to reveal everything that I want to reveal, and I'm going to uncover everything you think you got hidden. And here's what's crazy. We're really good about walking in wherever we're at. It could be church, it could be walking into business and act like nothing is wrong, that everything's okay, that we've got everything hidden. But the truth of the matter is you can hide it from everybody else, but you can't hide it from God. And here's the reason why. Because God is light. And in him, there's no darkness. And so he sees, he understands, he uncovers, and he knows every deepest, darkest recess of every part of our life. And he says, listen, you are to be the light of the world. And you're the light of the world when you, and you will shine brightest when you remain in me. As a matter of fact, Matthew chapter five, kind of the same take off this text in Mark says this, you're the light of the world. A, a city built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp or put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand to give its light to everyone in the house. In the same way, listen, here's what he's calling us to do. Let your light, the light of Jesus shining your heart, shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Here's what happens when I live out the truth of the gospel, when I live the light of Jesus in my life, it's all about me, right? No, what he says is all about glorifying the Father because they saw the goodness in you. And here's why. The reason they praise God, the reason other people will look and praise God is because they know who you were. They know who I was. And they can look and go, man, God must be doing something crazy because they changed you. God is doing a miraculous work because he changed you. And the truth of the matter is that when we start talking about darkness, here's the, here's the truth. That the people who seem to be the furthest away, the people who seem to be the ones who are stuck in the darkness the most, are the very people that I believe will be the ones who will make the biggest impact. Because it's those people who kind of flirt with the light, who hang around the light, that kind of go, ah, yeah, I got the light, but then I'm going to hide it when I don't need it, and I'm going to pull it out. No, the ones who are caught in darkness and then see the light are the ones who are going to take the light to those who are in darkness. They're going to say, hey, this is the way we're going to roll. And so listen, we're to live as a light on display. And so my question to, be, to you would be this. Do you display the light? Do you display, do you display the light in your relationships, with your coworkers, with family members, or do you hide it? Because if I hide it, others may never see the light. If I walk into my office building or if I walk into my work and I say, you know what, I'm just not gonna, I'm not gonna let people know. I'm gonna kind of sit back and I'm gonna kind of be as dim as possible. Do you really provide much light? No. But if God is light and in him there's no darkness, the brighter the light shines in me, the more God gets the glory. The more obedient I am to God in the everyday situations and circumstances I'm in, the more God 
gets the glory. So listen, number one, light reveals and uncovers. But I want you to also see this as we kind of jump in. I've jumped off this lamp and a lamp on a stand, but I want you to see what happens in this idea of a growing kingdom. Because here's what happens at the end of chapter four. It says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground, night and day, whether he sleeps or he gets up. The seed sprouts and it grows, though he does not know how? All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. And as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. And then he jumps in and he describes the parable of the mustard seed, the smallest seed being planted that grows into a big tree where the birds take shade and shelter. And I want you to understand what takes place. When we are the light then the gospel spreads. And when the gospel spreads, just as he talks about here, we spread the gospel, we give the light, we show the light, the seed grows. Nobody knows how because God's the one who makes it grow. If you know anything about what it says, that some plant, some water, but God is the one who makes it grow. And it grows. And when it grows, it becomes fully born. In other words, it bears a head, it grows, and then pretty soon there's a harvest. And so this is the way the kingdom grows. This is the way the kingdom of God works. And so if you remember what I've said all throughout this, this, this sermon series is this, that the gospel or the, sorry, the kingdom of God that Mark is talking about is this idea of an already, not yet. That when Jesus shows up, even with his death, he's establishing his kingdom. With his resurrection, he's established his kingdom, but it's not fulfilled. It's not complete. It won't be complete until he comes again. So the kingdom of God is always an already, not yet fashion until Jesus comes back. So there's this growing kingdom and the kingdom grows very simply in this way, that we allow, number one, we're scattering seeds, that we allow the light of God to, to, to be lived out in us or to live in us, to grow in us, to be bright in us, that the more I take in the word, the more I'm connected with others in the, in the body, the more I'm spending time with him and, and, and taking part in that, that I live as a person of light in a dark world. Now, can I, can I say a couple things that might be one of those things that may just step on a few toes? The light shines brightest when it shines all the time. And when we talk about this all the time thing, we have to make sure that we're not giving in to worldly ideologies and making a mountain out of a molehill or making something primary that's never primary. And listen, there are a lot of believers, and hear me out, there are a lot of believers that when it comes to politics or social media or news or anything else become this. Well, I can't let my light shine. Because if I let my light shine, then I can't have that same political belief. Or I can't have the same opinions and beliefs on certain social issues and aspects within our government. The gospel is the gospel. The call to be obedient to the truth of God's word is the call to be obedient to the truth of God's word, which means my light's going to shine brighter even in the midst of the darkness shining around it. And listen, when the light walks into the darkness, darkness what? Fleas. So he calls us to be a light. Why? Because there's a growing kingdom, a growing kingdom of God that is at work around us. It's an already not yet, right? He's already died on the cross for the sins of everybody. 
But not everybody who's supposed to hear or who's supposed to respond has responded yet. Matthew chapter 24, the Lord is patient, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to faith in Jesus Christ. So what's that call us to do? It calls us to plant seed. It calls us to be the ones who are gonna cast seed no matter where we're at. And then listen to me, it calls us to see as Jesus sees. If you have your Bible, flip to Mark chapter eight. If you flip over to Mark chapter eight, we see where he's feeding the 4,000. Now listen, he's already fed the 5,000. There are a lot of things that take place, but I want you to understand that Jesus uses every moment to reveal himself more fully. He is taking the light into the darkness every chance he gets. And we come to this, this part in, in, in Mark chapter eight where he feeds the 4,000. It says this, during those days, here we go, another large crowd gathered. Imagine that. Jesus attracted people. And in the midst of this large crowd gathering, it says, since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion. Can you guys say compassion? Compassion. I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and they've had nothing to eat. Now, last I checked, if I went three days without food, my wife would tell you we have a massive hangry issue. Like, I mean, 12 hours without food, I'm dealing with hangriness. Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> get grouchy, I get the shakes, I'm like short, I need food. These people have been following Jesus for three days and they got no food. Now, keep this in mind. This is the feeding of the 4,000, not the 5,000. Jesus has just fed the 5,000. The disciples were a part of that. They saw it. They saw everything that's going on. And Jesus says, I have compassion for these people. They've been with me for three days and they have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance. And listen to his disciples. Here's the beautiful news of a bunch of people who don't ever get it. And before you go, well, the disciples don't get it, I want you to understand, you and I are disciples. And there are a lot of times we miss out on the big picture idea that Jesus is trying to teach us. And it says, but we're in this remote place. Can anyone get enough bread to feed them? Well, Jesus, you just have fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. And what do the disciples say? We just experienced it. Oh, we don't have enough food to do it. And listen to what Jesus says. How many loaves do you have? Now, I think this is kind of funny. Because the disciples are walking along. They've been traveling with Jesus. They come along. They feed the 5,000, five loaves, two fish. They've got seven loaves for 4,000 people. Right? So he says, how many loaves do you have? Seven, they replied. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. And when he had taken the seven loaves and given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And they did so. Now, listen, Jesus had walked on water. Jesus had liberated people from legalism. He had healed the demon possessed. He had healed the deaf. He had given sight to the blind. All of these things had taken place. He had fed 5,000. Now we're at 4,000. They have seven loaves instead of five loaves. And then it goes on and it says they had a few fish. Now let's talk about a lack of faith. These people have been traveling for three days. The disciples are like, well, we, we got to send them back, Jesus. Listen, here's what I want us to understand. Jesus isn't just a great teacher, a great prophet, a great miracle worker, all of which we see, but Jesus is also the shepherd, the chief shepherd who cares. 
And this idea of compassion, please hear me out when I say this. Compassion comes from this Greek term that means the inner workings, to be moved on the inside. And I want to ask you this question. His emotion, Jesus' emotion is what moves him to action. And likewise, I would ask this question, what is it inside of you? What is the emotion that God is using to try and call you into action? Because remember what I'm talking about, darkness. When you look at the darkness, do you sit back and complain about how dark these people are? Or do you take the light into the darkness? Do you sit back and whine and moan and go, if these people just got their lives straightened out, they wouldn't be so messed up. Or do you take the light into the darkness? See, there's two ways to go about doing it. I can complain, or I can allow the compassion of the Lord to put my emotions into what? Action. Which means that my emotions now mean that, hey, the Lord's using my emotions to spark an interest, to light a fire inside of me, to say, you need to be the light into the darkness. And that should say now, instead of complaining, going, you guys need to get your lives straightened away, is to say, let me walk the gospel into the truth of this so that the darkness flees and you could see the truth of Jesus working in your life and what he wants to do. That you and I are broken. We are sinners trapped in our sin who need the goodness of God to be unleashed upon us, to the, the grace of God to be unleashed upon us so that, listen, we can be light not darkness, that the Lord can come in and transform my life. And listen, here's the beauty. Jesus sits the people down after finding out how many loaves and a few small fish, and it says he gave thanks. He gave thanks. And he gives the food to his disciples. And listen, here, here's what's crazy. The limited resources they had on hand become what? a multiplied miracle. How often? How often do we as believers, how often do we as church members, how often do we as people who say that we're willing to do whatever it takes, how often do we look and go, it's impossible? How often are we like the disciples and be like, just send them home? We don't have enough. How often do we not look at the fact that God is a miraculously gifted multiplier who multiplies the very talents, gifts, abilities, and, listen, finances of the very people he's called. Miraculous multiplication is what Jesus is all about. And listen, the disciples saw the people. Listen, when we talk about this whole idea of Jesus wants us to see as he sees, the disciples saw people who needed to be sent home. Jesus had compassion and saw people needing to be fed. The disciples saw impossible while Jesus saw an opportunity, a possibility. We see someone who's ruined their life, whereas Jesus sees someone who deserves a second chance. We see an infringement on our time, whereas Jesus sees an investment in eternity. Jesus knows the disciples aren't quite getting who he is. And that's why, as you look at this, and you can understand that the disciples still don't get who he is. If you look later in chapter 8, Peter and Jesus are having a conversation, right? And Jesus says, who do people say that I am? And he says, well, you're a great teacher, a prophet. And Jesus goes, no, all right. 
Peter, who do you say that I am? And all of a sudden, it's like a light bulb kicks on. And Peter says, you're the Christ, the Messiah. In other words, you're Lord. You are our Savior. You are the one who is going to change everything that goes on. And so listen, when we see as Jesus sees, we understand who Jesus is and we acknowledge what Jesus wants to do and know that Jesus wants to multiply the efforts that are going on in you. Jesus wants to change your heart. Jesus wants to change your situation. Jesus wants to change your life. He says, I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. And when we understand all of that taking place, then we begin to understand and operate with this idea that Jesus works in me. And as he works in me and he works through me, I become the lamp, the light, the city on a hill that can't be hidden because anytime I go into the hidden aspect, I become useless. And if I'm dark, then I can't bring light into the dark situations around me. And so the question is, who is Jesus to you? Because if Jesus is the Messiah... You can't stay dark. You can't stay closed off. You got to be the person who says, I'm willing to do whatever it takes, no matter what the cost, no matter what the person around me is, is in need of, no matter what the situation is, is going on, that the Lord has called me to be light in the darkness, and that when I'm the light to the darkness, that I will run to the darkness as a result of him working in me, that that light grows brighter and brighter as I go. Oh, man. When we live as the light, we have the most chance to make the biggest impact. But listen to me, a lot of churches want to sit back, and I'll even be clear with this. A lot of churches want to sit way back here, and the darkness is out there, and we want to have, listen, look at these lights. We want to have everything lit up, and we're like, man, it's great, it's good, we're good, we got the light here. In the meanwhile, we're surrounded in a building with light, and outside people are in darkness. And so here's the question. Here's the thought as we wrap up. If we're to see as Jesus sees and we begin to look at the people around us as Jesus looks at them, the question would be, do you have compassion? Do you have a compassion for people who are lost and dying and going to hell? Do you have compassion over people who, yeah, have wrecked and ruined their lives? But listen to me, there is no person out there so far gone, so ruined that Jesus can't change them and save them. And if we really believe that, then we have to be the people who are willing to take the light into the darkness. I said this a long time ago. It was a Wednesday night. You're gonna think I'm crazy. Matter of fact, I don't know if you realize this. Um, my wife and I moved here eight years ago, March 16th. What? Oh, my bad, 15th, sorry. Mouth by one day. We got married on August, uh, August 2nd, I mean 11th. I'm just joking, sorry. <laughs> I've, I just lost big time brownie points. <laughs> yeah, I know, that was a mistake on purpose, but anyways, <laughs> all right. We moved here eight years ago. All right, eight years ago today, or yesterday, tomorrow, whatever, uh, we moved here. And we knew it wasn't going to be easy. And we're thankful for everything the Lord has done 
in here, in us and through us, through our church and what's going on. But I believe this wholeheartedly, that he's not done. He's not over. He's just beginning. There's a lot he wants to accomplish, that we live in a dark time and we live in a dark world and we live in a world that says that right is wrong and wrong is right. But that doesn't stop the fact that we still have to be people of light, that we've got to move forward. But I'll never forget, I had been here probably a couple months, and I remember telling, it was a Wednesday night Bible study, and I remember saying, you need to know your neighbors, you need to know those who are lost, you need to hang out with the lost, you got to develop a relationship with the lost so you can share the gospel. And I had one of the old members come up to me, and she says, you're seriously wanting us to hang out with lost people? And I was like, uh, yeah. And she goes, you're asking us to do what for 60 years we were told not to do. Now listen to me, and please hear me out on this. There may be some good intentions, maybe there was some misinterpretation, maybe there was some not understanding. You can hang out with lost people and not do what they do. You realize that, right? Right, I'm just making sure. Like, you know, I'm not telling you to go out and do what they do. I'm telling you to hang out with people who don't know Jesus. Because if you're not willing to hang out with people who don't know Jesus, you're not gonna be light in a dark world. You're not going to be able to speak truth when they're talking falsehood and ideology and thoughts and differences. You can't shed the light of the gospel of Jesus into a dark room if you're not willing to walk into the dark room and deal with the baggage and the struggles and the difficulties that those people are going through. And so please hear me out with this. And I said to that lady, and I love her dearly, but I told her, I said, I'm sorry you ever got that message. But hear me out. The greatest impact you and I can ever make is to be a light in the darkness. Don't run away from darkness. Because hear me out, when we, what we know based upon Scripture, that the times are going to get darker and darker. And if Christians try and regroup or retreat to run into a safe huddle, that's not what Jesus called us to. As a matter of fact, the Bible is very clear. You better count the cost. That when you put your faith in Jesus, you got to count the cost. That you got to be willing to bear your cross, to pick up your cross daily, to carry it, to follow Jesus no matter what. And so we live in a world that is surrounded in darkness, that needs the truth of the gospel. And I'm asking you, are you willing to take the light the light of Jesus, the hope of the world. God is light. In him there's no darkness. Are you willing to take the light that God is into the darkest recesses of the world? And if you are, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost me. Are you willing to pay the price? And likewise, listen, if you're a person who has never put your faith and trust in Jesus, you'd say, look, I'm walking in darkness. Jesus just simply says, come to the light. Believe that I died on the cross and that I rose again, offering you life and life more abundantly. It says, if you believe with your heart and you confess it with your mouth, you'd be saved. I believe, Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins, that apart from you, I have no good to offer. That righteousness only comes through Jesus Christ. That light only comes through Jesus. And listen, so I believe that and I confess it with my mouth. 
Bible is very clear that when I confess that Jesus is Lord, that I will be saved. That there is no other name under heaven by which one person may be saved other than Jesus. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That's the light that God talks about. That in the darkness, the light shines out and the light shines brightest. Jesus, the light of the world, died on the cross. What seemed like the light had been put out was really just a temporary spot in the grave because the light rose again and the light shines even brighter now. And you and I are called to be a part or to be in the light. If you never put your faith and trust in Jesus and you just say today, every head bowed, every eye closed, maybe you're joining us online and you'd say, I've never done that. Here's what we want to encourage you to do. If you're here in person, then you come up and speak to me afterwards. We'd love to talk with you about it. If you're online, if you're joining us online and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus and you would say, I want to do this, we're going to ask you to text this very quickly and we'll get in touch with you. Text Jesus, J-E-S-U-S, to 816-877-9295. 816-877-9295 and just text Jesus. We'll get in touch with you. Listen to me, if you're in person here today, you can do it right where you're at, but make it known. It says, confess with your mouth. Let other people know that you put Jesus first and foremost. Father, we pray today that all of us, that those who are here that, that have put their faith and trust in you, those who are in the light, that we would live as a city on a hill, that we would shine brightest, that we would be the ones who are, are on a hill, elevated, where people can see, people who are trapped in darkness could begin to walk toward the light. God, let us run to the darkness as well. Let us take the light into the darkest recesses of this world so that people can hear the good news. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.